What up, right up, what up, what up, what's up, bro? Um, we've been missing for a while. My name is Henry Woods. I'm joined by Noah Lyons and Mackenzie Marshall. Um, we are back to give you, you know, the ins and outs of what's really going on in the streets. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, Twitter, all of that at WRGO. Um, <clears throat> WRGO pod, that's my bad. Um, again, Instagram, YouTube, all of the socials, subscribe on Apple podcast spotify our heart radio da, 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 da. yeah boom all of that follow us subscribe share like so we're gonna get into this real quick it's gonna be a quick little episode we're gonna hit you with that food for thought um first thing on the agenda today um which isn't surprising but it's just kind of weird with paying wages so like mortgage rates continue to increase uh average uh, average home in america now costs 300 over $340,000 and like being at the average salary in America is $50,000. That's, that don't make sense to me because like how would most people presumably obtain homes? Um, so I thought that was interesting, especially being that I am seeking to purchase a home within the next few years. Uh, I thought this would be an interesting conversation to bring to the table. Mackenzie, I'm actually yeah. curious to get your thoughts as someone who lives like in New York. Because I know most of my friends who live in New York who are like us in their mid-20s kind of have like a cap in which they know they can live in New York City until a certain point. Because it's like, who can actually afford a piece of property yeah. in New York? So it's like, do you feel yeah. like it's like numbered or is it just kind of just like, I'm here? Um, and I'll Yeah. I mean, honestly, I feel like first, I feel like housing and home ownership, especially for people people our age I feel like a lot of people our age are doing that that's naturally the next step but for someone like me who does live in New York or if you do live in a city that is just not a regular city a New York or an LA or whatever these high price cities where home ownership isn't necessarily that accessible there's not that many grants there it's just not that realistic um so to answer your question Noah do I have a cap of how long I feel like I'm gonna stay in New York I mean, I guess I have no real number. I've always decided that I'm just stay here until it makes sense. Yeah. But I, in a perfect world, I do wish that I could own a brownstone and live in New York. But it's not even just home ownership. And it's gonna, this is probably going to take us away from the conversation. But living in New York, it's not even just about housing costs. It's about schools. It's just about the whole lifestyle of it that takes away from just living in New York. But to the initial conversation about mortgage rates increasing, I'm just really kind of praying in this kind of, I don't know if this will apply to New York. I'm really praying, and this might be selfish of me, not a, as a homeowner and not somebody who's selling, renting. I'm hoping that there's a home bus or there's a some type of bus because just because the, the like you said, the mortgage rates are crazy expensive right now. And you, I don't know if this really connects with this, but we've seen on Zillow that sometimes that that app has even been, marketing um, properties a lot higher than what they're really worth. So just all of these things showing that there should be a bus. I'm hoping there's a bus and we can all come up and get some cheaper homes. But as far as the mortgage rates increasing for millennials, I feel like that's just pushing us as a generation more and further away from actual home ownership and being able to pass down property to our kids and future generations. Yeah. No, I agree, but no, like, couldn't you say the same thing for DC? Because buying a house in DC yeah. is, yeah, absolutely. Like, I've I've thought about it, and then once I looked at just what it <laughs> would cost, I said, "Oh no!" Like, if you do that, and then if you have one slip and fall, 
you're like struggling. And I think like to like Mackenzie, what you were saying is like one thing just kind of adds on to another where it's like we can barely afford property. And we have, you know, some people have hundreds of thousands or just high, you know, five figures worth of student loans. So what's your way out? Like there's really no obtainable anything at a certain point. Like if the average is 50 and a home is costing 340, that's how we got the recession where you know, people were with $40,000 salaries buying $800,000 homes and all of a sudden no one could pay for them. So like to your point, Mackenzie, I'd like to think there's a bubble but it just keeps on rising and rising and it shows no, you know, I don't know if it'll ever pop because I would like to think it would now because I look at prices here and I'm like, I can barely do this and I have a stable job. So I don't know how people who are like, especially in the pandemic, but Henry, I mean, yeah. Anna, I mean. Yeah, I was just about to Anna, say, Henry, what Anna's about you? Anymore. <laughs> like, as someone who really actively looked into home ownership and that process and that, like, what has that been like? And you looked at it in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. No, that's not saying like if you want to, and I think you mentioned like Zillow buying homes and flipping them. Most of the homes that I seen them buy were in like those regentrified community type of areas because those homes, especially now where, you know what I'm saying, you can kind of rack the price up a little bit. It's no like max. Uh, and like you said, I think that's like, I'm trying to give me words to get to, get to my point, my bad. But point, um, one, I think Zillow and a lot of people who may benefit from home like ownership right now, you're going to be in an area that will eventually get regentrified. Because like for myself, I did like get pre-approved for a certain amount, but like for the neighborhood I wanted to live in, I needed more money. So with that being the case, it was just like, um, am I, what am I willing to sacrifice? And it wasn't my like sanity and safety. So it's just like not right now type of thing. And with that being the case, I've kind of like been talking to, I guess, like developers. And I know right now bit the benefit of moving to Atlanta is purchasing a home. Because if you're renting, you're paying more yes. than what a mortgage would be. Um, and that's the like, I guess, bittersweet factor of being here because, yeah, you have the opportunity to maybe purchase a home, but it's so many people like coming into the city and then you may take the chance of like losing your job if you don't stay or work in the area so like the commute and all of that it's just a lot um but moving to Atlanta and home ownership I think like that's the benefit of moving here if you buy a home you can get more bang for your buck buck quote-unquote but the housing market is kind of ridiculous because houses that were like two hundred thousand dollars a couple years ago are now like three four hundred thousand dollars so that's like the uh um, you're paying more for your buck but you get more than a dc in new york yeah and that's the thing that kills me and i think it's like i mean i can only wonder just in like 10 years what this is going to be when people like us are you know of the age to buy homes and stuff like that but i would like (laughs) 10 years no in 10 years most people our age will either be first time home like most people are not buying homes in their mid-20s like the average person father god don't speak me into the average because i want mine in two years i want my next year reality i'm saying like i feel like at a certain point i feel like this kind of just adds on to what you were saying henry about like the gentrification part of it all because Mm -hmm. people a three hundred thousand dollar house and so you got to put five percent down most people don't have that so i think like at a certain point 
what's going to happen to cities like i mean you know we all live in three cities that are very gentrified but even like smaller cities i feel like it's just going to exacerbate like white people moving into these like suburban and urban areas and black people just kind of figuring it out i don't know well, yeah. i heard this thing uh, or like saying or something there was like every 30 years um the great migration happened where uh black people move into the suburbs white people move into the city and then like the economy just slowly switches over time and it just goes back to like Black people in the city, white people in the suburbs. But is that the bus that I'm talking about that has to come? Because I do feel like that's what I was. That's kind of what I was getting. It has to like, and like it's not. I get what you're saying, Henry. And no, like ten years from now, I am curious of what it's going to look like because to our point, what we've been saying, if it keeps hitting to a point of three hundred and forty thousand dollars for an average house, but the the pay doesn't match, something has to give, and it would naturally be the housing market or the mortgage because. If people not making much more money than you know to keep up with the housing costs, it has to be a bust. If something's got to get like like how Noah was speaking on a great recession or not even great recession, but the recession that happened like 28, 2008, where everybody was coming up on homes because a lot of people were getting their homes foreclosed on at the time, and I think that will. I'm honestly in the next couple of years, like by 2025, I would say like something will happen because we continue to see the unemployment rate in America raise, but we can see the cost of living rise. And then yeah. it's like, there's no- and I feel e- like that's just simple math. Like if this is rising, but this is not rising, something has to give to level it out. I mean, in a democracy, that's definitely how it has to work. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah. Well, we can kind of like end it here saying that we're curious to see, you know, what happens in the coming years. Um, if you are a homeowner, congratulations, because a lot of my friends who are like young have been purchasing homes. So kudos to y'all taking those steps. I'm trying to join y'all in the team. Um, next topic on the agenda. Um, it's pretty interesting to me. Um, a U.S. president, Theodore Roosevelt, um, his statue was removed from in front of a New York museum, the statue has been placed in being there for over 80 years. Um, it was removed earlier this re- week because it's a racial image. <laughs> the sculpture is of uh, like him on a horse with like a Native American on one side and the African man on another. Um, and like, clearly that's kind of, Wow. Um, But like a similar story here in Georgia, um, Wilmer, let me make sure I'm pregnant. Yeah, Willer, Willer High School um, is named after Confederate like general and the kids kind of brought it to the school board's attention last year. Well, no, 2020, because it's 2022 now. And 2020, um, and the school board kind of like, you know, pushed it to the side, but the kids are like, no, not having it. Uh, so they're taking to social media. And for me, I thought this was like an interesting point with like both of these things happening, like one being protested to happen, because that's been a trend here in Georgia, like removing staff, Confederate statues and renaming schools. And then seeing that like other places are mimicking that behavior, i.e. New York removing the statue of Theodore Roosevelt, 
my question to the panel here is like, does removing these statues maybe, you know, erase some of the history that's associated with said statues? Away with the history if it's erasing it. Okay, but like to combat that points, another place on the agenda, um, we have like in Florida, they're basically attempting to remove black history being taught to that's children. That's not the same thing though. Yeah. I don't think that's the same thing. Removing these statues is racist or a- at least in that statue particularly that you stated that probably I don't I didn't see an image but I'm sure that that has racial connotation removing black history from our education I mean that would be removing the truth that's what really happened I don't feel like that's the same thing as removing statues I'm honestly all for because I think that this happened well probably the, the time that they walked out or said the time that the students that you said in 2020 made a comment about the statue that's when all of those statues were being like in Virginia and across the country were being removed so I don't really feel like that's out of context but removing black history that's not I don't think that that's the same thing you know yeah but I feel like both are both are this I'm not gonna say both are equally destructive but both are destructive in like different ways like where if you have a statue in a public park that is basically the state or the you know local institution basically amplifying this person and saying this is someone who we all should look up to in kind of like that symbolic way where like you know if you had someone like you know there are statues of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and all of these other people where you're basically saying this is someone who has done something good where if you're basically saying hey here was this person who was a confederate general yeah that's an issue considering that they had slaves um, so I think that's just kind of like an optics issue in one sense. But I think to Mackenzie's point, like not teaching black history in school. And it kind of goes on to what we talked about. Like that's like kind of continuing like the whole critical race theory, but just under a different name. Because I think now when people say critical race theory, they know that that's like more amplified and more to get attention. But if you just say, oh, we're just removing these books, that's easier to do. But like, you're just not teaching what happened. Like, what are you supposed to do now? You're just supposed to just... I mean, one, we already teach our history during the shortest month of the year, which is already problematic. And we don't treat our history like it is a part of American history. We treat it like a subset. Um, So like, then what are you really learning? Because then that's just a recipe for destruction where kids are already not learning what happened to Black people outside of they were enslaved and then they got rights. It's like there was a whole lot of other stuff that happened and that's still happening now that just doesn't really get talked about. But like we've talked about that, like how Black Black kids basically have to learn through interaction and the history might not teach it, but the world will teach it to you because you have no choice. So wait, are people, are kids trying to say, or not kids, but are people trying to say or imply that removing these statues is like removing- uh, This is like a popular- I was going to say- I had the question (laughs) because I was talking to um, someone- and we kind of got into it, not into it, but we got into a conversation of like how certain statues or whatever are being removed. And I was just kind of like, well, honestly, like I think they have a right to maybe display some of this stuff, not like crazy, but like to one degree or another, especially here in the South, like it kind of culminates the whole thing. Like when you see it, it makes you remember. It makes you like, it's like contextualizing it more. Um, so for me, at least being raised in the South and seeing like certain, like like a Confederate flag flown on a person's porch is like, okay, I know to stay away. 
don't associate probably think this type of way or seem like a like even like stone mountain you know that's a big mountain here and all of those are confederate mm-hmm. generals on that mountain and like the town like maybe five blocks down near where uh, my aubrey unfortunately was you know killed that was that side of town so like you know not to really be over there after the night or you know how to act over there so you it's just I don't know for me it just kind of culminates everything it's like okay this was America this is still America and I guess and I guess because it does like I'll agree like that's what when I look at a confederate flag I know what you're about and it's negative I don't look at a Martin Luther King statue and think negative I mean I guess if you are racist and you're a white person and you might think negative, but like overall, you like his message. And I, I mean, this might be controversial, but there's not Malcolm X statues because his message necessarily was not nonviolent. You look at him, Martin Luther King, there's no violent. He was his whole thing was peace and stuff like that. So when I look at these other statues of white people, whatever, all I think of is racism. But look, 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 hear me to play propaganda here now on some like not the main point I was bringing up of like removing the statues but like why is there no like rebellious black statues because again like for me this these whole two things like keeping the statues up versus like not having a martin luther king or um again black rebellions you know what i think that's because but i mean i think that that's just racism within itself because white people people can be rebellious and slay and and you got an african and you got an indian or a native american next to you and then but you know we will never see a a statue of a malcolm x or somebody like that at least in a prominent city um but i mean that's racism within itself that we can't we can't react we can always we can't like we can't react we can't respond we can't have our own things in our own right and celebrate our own stuff um but yeah that's real um i guess that kind of like knocks it down and this uh especially me mentioning amal aubrey's name and kind of leads to the big fact which you know that's the big major discussion but i think we're just throwing through the topics fast pretty fast today um but essentially um Federal trial begins for George Floyd's, like, I say this, like, people kill him. So, like, for me, when I seen this, I was like, <sighs> but then I had to think, I was like, oh, dang, like, I'm tripping. Like, they did just lock all three of them up. No, like, nothing like, bro, life sentence um, for my Arby's uh, case. So, I was like, hmm, would that play a part? But that's a different state. And different political pressures which is also annoying because i'll be forgetting that we all have different laws really at the end of the day so nothing's really across the board because that's what another thing sidebar when it comes to these black lives matter protests and stuff it's just always it's always hard in these situations because you can't really just put a cloak over everything because then the you know there's state laws there's these other laws that only pertain in this particular district and it's like all of these other things you can't just say like that's wrong because how they keep us now man now applies to another like it and it's just annoying and it's tiring honestly yeah and even like to expand on your point mckenzie it's even like laws that or not even laws but just kind of the legal freedom that police officers have under the scope of their job 
mm-hmm. you know, they allow such a wide range of aggression. If it's like, oh, well, they were performing a function of their job. It has to be within reason. But that reason is like so. Yeah, wild. it's so big. Like the Floyd thing had to happen. That had to be the most like ridiculous thing ever. But like other stuff that we would say, no, that was crazy. They're like, well, there was some ambiguity here. He, this person didn't know, even though they were acting on prejudice and racism. So like, I can understand that. But I feel like, I don't know. I feel like this last year has at least made me feel like justice can be achieved in some certain instances. Yeah. Like, of course, there's still, you know, a bunch of probably cases that we don't know about that don't get talked about, that don't get reported, that are still impacting people's lives. But I feel like, I feel like nationally the sentiment is like, stuff can at least we at least see progress like you know when we were in college tangible progress that we can say this worked out I mean I mean Henry you making the face I'm not gonna lie when the Ahmed Aubrey stuff came in was I cheering for joy was I like rah 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 no but we cannot deny that that's that was not a moment. We cannot deny. Okay, so that listen, was- listen, listen. Like you know how they be like, give bug dog a bone, he'll shut up for a minute or so, whatever. It is. <laughs> like that's I'm not trying don't to be, be funny. Don't belittle it to that. No, though. no, no listen, listen, listen. I am not trying to belittle what happened. I'm not trying to be dumb. But that's why I like roll my eyes and then brought it back because I'm like I really don't know how to feel about this stuff because uh, as a black man. It's just like, bro, if they take my life, these folks not finna really go to jail for this, not like for real. Like, but I think that that goes to my point though of like, it sucks because it isn't something that you can just say, well, they went to jail here. So going forward, everybody's gonna go to jail for doing that's something. Not, exactly. Like that. That's, so that's, that's why I said what I said. They gonna give a dog a bone. They're gonna let us get a couple of these officers, you know, get one to her. But no. These motherfuckers don't hear it. No, they ain't going nowhere, man. You know what it is. So, like, for me, go ahead. I feel like at least, like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just drinking. I'm just drinking the Kool-Aid. But I feel like at least, like. You are a lot. No, (laughs) don't do that. Don't do that. See, that's the divide between dark skin and light skin people that we need to. That is not my fault. I was. You just just played into it. You played into it. Bro, we talk about Confederate statues. Yeah, we talking about Confederate flags and oh, we can't even get on the same page as yeah. brothers and sisters. Come on, black man. Now, no one know he if dark skin is still a light skin, whatever Drake said. <laughs> Anyways, Noah, what was you saying? Mark the car before you drive us off the cliff. Um, before I mention my Kool-Aid reference again for Henry. Type shit. Um, no, I feel like at least like culturally and like, yes, it's easy to say half of this crap is performative, but I can at least feel like we're just the place that we were in compared to 2019 compared to what we are now is a lot different. I feel like culturally there are at least more conversations happening that didn't happen where if you look from like 2019, maybe like 2010, what wins did we get? There was no kind of ever so progress, even though the key step of like, Yes, we're able to prosecute these people, but how do we actually fix this from happening? That conversation is still not where it needs to be, albeit. But I feel like at least in the past, whether you look at like, you know, uh, Mike Brown, all these other people who were just getting killed, shot, and it was just kind of like, there was no, of course, Black people were talking about this larger conversation of police brutality, but I feel like it's just more 
in the ether now. It's more culturally accepted to at least have the conversation, even though some people are still going to shut it down. You know, I feel like more people are forced to engage in the conversation, which is at least a good thing, even if they're only doing performative stuff at a certain time, no one did any type of performative anything. No one was at least thinking about this. I don't know if that's just me taking the last couple months in the last year as something greater than it is, but I just feel like culturally we're in a different place. I don't know, y'all. Y'all. I'm right. like having a hard time, like kind of like, yeah, I agree. Because to one degree, yeah, like we have progressed, air quotes people, we progressed. Um, things have gotten better, national conversation, sure. But like real time, how I always ask y'all, what is this, like, what's the feasible outtake here? But then I this think- Before the, we before we even go down this downward spiral. Because I was, because I was just- Like, <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, we could, but that's like, because that's just such a loaded question because then we would have to define what progress is and progress to you, me, and Noah could be totally different things. So I just feel like we just cannot act like that that was not a moment because yeah. even though like I'm that, not that, trying that to live clear something it means something like we can't act like it doesn't mean anything. Okay, I'm not attempting in any way, form, fascist, none of that. Like manner, I'm not attempting to take away from the justice that did get served in Ahmaud Arbery's case. However, it's like an overwhelming of like not getting soft and then like this much of getting I soft. mean I'm not saying we shouldn't be mad like still mad because it's still at the end of the day we should still be mad at the fact that somebody died in the first place and we're even having yeah. this conversation that part that so is like we definitely should about. still be mad but I can't I mean I am happy that wow somebody did something wrong and now they're serving their time you know and it just sucks that that's how low the bar is. But unfortunately, I feel like that's where we at. And we can't just sit here and act like it doesn't matter. The real, the, but the real thing though, from our beginning discussion, the only real fundamental change that we always have is systematic change because it should be. They go to jail going forward. Anybody else who does this, they should go to jail too because this was the example. But since this, since the system just does not work like that, then it can't really be progress in my opinion. In that way, but I can't discount what actually happened. Like that's not fair. Well said. I hear ya. Um, Noah, you have any political Biden COVID updates for us? Uh, oh, we need to talk about the um. Was this, the I, test. I, yeah, everybody, be sure to go um on the WhiteHouse.gov site and request you. Every household gets four at-home tests. And they get three N95 masks. I was kind of mad because I spent way too much than I should have buying N95 masks <laughs> holiday break. So, you know, thanks, Biden, for waiting a little bit too long. Um, but be sure you do that because um, that is the fastest way to so we can, you know, get to a somewhat normal life. But go on the WhiteHouse.gov site. I think they're as of now, they're fixing out bugs for most people who live in apartment buildings, which is most people in big cities. <laughs> it's always a bug, ladies and gentlemen. It's always yeah. a bug. Because apparently it couldn't decipher where if Mackenzie, if someone lives on the unit above you and below you, it couldn't decipher that you all are two different people. No, that actually happened to me. Um, as y'all know, I do live in New York. Thank God my roommate um, did inform me that she had already ordered our COVID test, but I had got the notification that somebody else had already ordered it. So I couldn't, I personally could not order it for my household. 
Um, and Biden was going to get a call from me directly <laughs> at that point. But let's talk about the fact but that you got his number. You need to talk to him about the student debt. But well, let's talk about let's stay on one topic at a time. Four test. And I personally live in like growing up, I live in a four household, four bodies in the household. So that's one test a person. That don't mean nothing for if me. One, if, if one person take that joke wrong, yeah. y'all are in some hot shit. <laughs> so I'm just like, I that's, mean, that's all y'all could do after two years is four. That's the funny thing is that um, I'd even I saw sit. a journalist in the UK who was basically like took a picture of his front doorstep and it was like four at home tests. And he was like, yeah, we get these every week. Like, and I think at that point, it's like, yes, Biden doing this is good, but like, but the the bar is so low. The bar is so low. It's ridiculous. The is, yeah, the bar is low. And I feel like, and I think this is a conversation we eventually need to have with all this, where I think we're like well past the point where I think clearly this is just going to have to be a thing that we have to somehow figure out how to live with and how to manage and how to not, because like, it's clearly not going away. What do you say? You had like COVID not going nowhere. No, I, I agree. But I think Biden doing this basically says like officially at first he was like, you know, we all get vaccinated. We all do this. That's just not going to happen. He can't force people to get a shot in there. There's only literally. so. Yeah, much. I think what Noah said is like flipping the switch to think like COVID isn't going away for a while. I think this really is going to be a thing that's like a flu yeah. shot or like, you know, just something that is now just with us. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I think him doing this is basically saying like, we're going to try to manage this as best we can and give you the tools to manage it as best as you can within your own household. Cause yeah. at that point, and I think the funny thing that I think the conversation we eventually need to have is like COVID not being any better, um, largely for reasons that I feel like are not Biden's actual doing are probably going to screw him. <laughs> you know, he can't force people to take the shot. But because people are not taking the shot, that's leading people to think that he's actually doing like a really, really bad job on COVID, which he's, I don't I actually don't think he is, but he can't literally force people to do something yeah. they don't want to do. But everybody get your test. I still need to do it. Get your test, get your masks, all that. Uh, and also, uh, fun fact, what I noticed, and I'm filing my taxes right now, it's actually, this is so off topic and not on the agenda, so forgive me. It's so bonkers that the stimulus uh, check was not tax deductible. To me, that's nuts. To me, that is wild. And I, <laughs> I got really upset about this today. That should have been tax free. But like, that's me on my soapbox. Because, <laughs> wait, how, you like, we can talk about this offline now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Mackenzie, you got a heads up. Um, no, I don't have a heads up. Oh, oh. I do have a heads up one moment. Um, oh, um, there's this person running for Senate in Louisiana. His name is Gary Chambers. I don't know if y'all saw his clip, but he was smoking weed and marijuana. Oh, in the that. oh my Lord. He ain't going to win. It took social media by storm. I have not looked into his campaign. I don't know what he's running on. I'm not a Louisiana resident, but he has my vote. Actually, he has my vote just about a... a, a Actually, let's not even throw around votes like that because votes. No, you said I'm voting for his man. <laughs> no, not because of that, but I think just with the the video. If you haven't seen it, I really strongly recommend checking it out because it was just a strong video. But also, just what he was talking about, like one, not like we have to stop demonizing weed, and that's something that I just hate. Like as a country, we've demonized this 
this drug that now people, white people are making a profit of. And I feel like just him doing this in a campaign video, especially in a state like Louisiana, I just feel like, you know, check him out, look into his campaign as I will. Um, And yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I was really struck by the video because I feel like we've never seen no, that's, that's one running from no, nothing like that at all, especially from a black man. So I'm I'm rooting for him. Once I look into his campaign, because he might be behind. That's what I'm saying. Like that's really listen, I'm rooting for everybody black. Extra mark, extra mark. <laughs> I, I'm rooting for everybody black that act black. Yeah. Okay, that's it. I'm rooting for everybody who act black or wait, what who's black? Oh. I just <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> Wait, what was it? On that note, guys, we love y'all for rocking with us for over five years now, man. We've had over goddamn 50,000 views. We have over 100 and so subscribers. Keep on subscribing, keep on liking, keep on sharing. Make sure you check us out. Something actually just hit me. Um, we didn't talk about Andre Leon Talley. I feel like that was like something worth oh, yes. talking about. So I'll, so I'll you go interrupt my whole little no, but but like that's actually food worthy. So like I feel like everyone, if you do not know who Andre Leon Talley is, he is basically one of the giants in black fashion journalism who has had his imprint decades with basically everyone. If you were cool at any point in time, you were around Andre Leon Talley. So I feel like mm. people just look into him. Look into his life, read his autobiography, um, Givenchy Trenches, I think. It's really good. Um, so, I mean, only because we just talked about Virgil Abloh, like, there is no Virgil Abloh without Andre Leon Talley. I think that yeah, kind of literally. Said. Um, so, if you're Black and you're interested in fashion, just like look him up and just kind of look into him. Sorry, Henry. I just felt like that that was like, to me, the now, that was important. That was important. That was the biggest piece of news within like the last week, like, because he's literally yeah. like, an I today. Um... So rest in peace, but no, you can do the outro. All right. Thank you. So everybody, that is the episode of what's really going on. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WRGO pod. Be sure to check out our website. What's really going on pod.com. If you backslash shop, we still got some stuff. I think it's in Henry's basement somewhere. So go check that out. It might be in the trunk of his car, but bro, them shirts is freshly printed. Don't listen to this man. They're freshly printed. They smell good. They're fresh, fresh off the print. They're freshly printed in the trunk of Henry's car. So be sure to cop those. Be sure to subscribe, like, listen, and comment on YouTube, Apple, po- uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio. Big shout out to everyone who listened last year. Uh, we had our best year by far. The numbers were not even close. So thank you for rocking with us for another year. We look forward to another year of exciting stuff. So be sure to check us out. Uh, thank you. <laughs>